Welcome back to Missing. I am Tim here today with Lance. Lance, how are you today? I'm doing fantastic today, Tim. I hope everyone out there is, uh, you know, as fantastic, if not better than myself. Tim, you are you woke up when, you know, after having a wonderful dream. How are you? <laughs> well, I did get a lot of sleep last night, Lance. Maybe that's oh, uh, why I'm so chipper this morning. But also... Well-rested is what I meant to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But also, I'm really excited to talk to our friend, our old friend, Maggie Freeling. She's an investigative journalist, and is there something about an award that she won recently? I think she won something like... An Oscar? Yeah, it was like best performance in a docu-series, in a limited <laughs> docu-series or, or something, an Oscar or a daytime Emmy maybe. Well, it's actually the Pulitzer. She won a Pulitzer Prize. Oh, <laughs> only the Pulitzer Prize. <laughs> so uh, we cannot let this opportunity pass without talking about it and joking around with her about it for at least five to ten minutes in this episode. Yeah, I mean, in all seriousness, the Pulitzer Prize, as we describe in this episode is probably, if not arguably, the most coveted award a journalist can receive in their field. And we know Maggie to be a great journalist, uh, always getting better, always doing something that is above and beyond the call of duty. Uh, what she does for wrongfully convicted people, uh, what she does for the true crime community itself is remarkable. And herself and Suave Gonzalez and the entire team at Futuro totally deserve that Pulitzer for their podcast, Suave. Amazing to hear Maggie describe what it felt like when she learned about winning the Pulitzer and just how surreal that is as a journalist. Uh, I I have nothing, and I don't know about you, but I can't compare it to anything. I don't know what could possibly happen in my life that would be comparable to, to that. And for somebody who works so hard at what they do and who is who who still has such a bright future to, to win this award is amazing. And we're only we're simply humble servants in her presence. <laughs> yeah, and we're really proud of her. And that was uh that was basically why we we had to bring her on to uh to discuss and it is pretty amazing to hear about the moment she found out. <laughs> it really is. She's such a badass. Yeah. We are going on tour with Maggie Freeling this August and we are hitting the cities of Orlando, West Palm Beach, Atlanta, St. Paul, Dallas, and Houston. And we're going with Patrick Hines of True Crime Obsessed. You can get tickets at truecrimeobsessed.com. Lance, we're talking about the documentary, The Disappearance of Maura Murray. We're talking about that. And we also feature a little bit of our independent documentary, Finding Maura Murray. And it's not so much like you're going to get a bunch of new information. This is a roast of us by Patrick Hines. Yeah, the show is a lot of fun, Lance. And you can get tickets at truecrimeobsessed.com. Can't wait to see you there in your corresponding city. And we want to invite you to check out Missing Premium. You can check it out at missing.supportingcast.fm. It is our subscription service, Lance. And for the price of a cup of coffee per month, you can get our bonus show called Hidden Opinions, as well as every single ad-free episode of Missing. Early sometimes as well. Sometimes they drop a day early. And it's not even real expensive coffee either that we're talking about. I mean, we're basically talking about Folgers instant coffee per month. Missing premium is the best part of waking up, Lance, so you're right about that. All right, make sure to check out Wrongful Conviction. That's Maggie's new podcast, and you can learn all about her work at maggiefreeling.com.
This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Maggie Freeling, welcome back to the podcast. How the heck are you today? I'm doing all right. I'm very excited to talk to you guys. It's really been like months. It's been too long. It's been too long. I don't know if you can hear me because I'm behind my Pulitzer right now. I honestly, it's hilarious right now. (laughs) The Pulitzer, I have to take a picture of this. This is too much. (laughs) Yes. For those who are not watching, Tim and I have our backgrounds uh, as the Pulitzer Prize. Um, This is about as close as we're probably going to come to one without like stealing Maggie's. Well, yeah, that's what that's actually what I wanted to ask uh, Maggie about today. Um, first of all, congratulations! Yes, on the Pulitzer. It's an amazing achievement. It's a great podcast, and congrats to everyone at Futuro as well and Suave as well. Suave, who's on y'all's network? Yes, yes. Okay, so tell us what the hell happened with this Pulitzer. How? How in the world? <laughs> right. We didn't even know we were nominated. They don't tell you. So. I'm sitting, I'm in Nashville. I'm like doing an award ceremony. So I'm chilling out in a hot tub. Oh, pardon us. You're doing, Whoa. When, when, when you win a Pulitzer, you're just doing other award ceremonies. No, this is before the Pulitzer. So I was Pre-Pulitzer. Yeah. introducing Jason, Jason Flom, um, for one of his awards. I was doing like the introduction for his Clio award. So I'm in Nashville. I'm chilling out in a hot tub, smoking a blunt, having the best time. And I get a text that's like, congrats on congrats and I was like what are you even talking about and they're like they just announced the Pulitzers and I like choked and almost drowned and like kind of got really dizzy and was like what do you mean and then they sent me a screenshot of the tweets they were announcing it in tweets so like people who were on Twitter were seeing them announce it and then someone sent it to me and I was just like what the hell like I couldn't I like dropped my phone and my friend was like what's going on and picked up my phone and was like did you really, what, is this real? And I was like, I don't know, is it real? It was real, but yeah, it was um, it was a little bit of chaos, a little bit of fainting, a little bit of not believing it, and uh, here we are, I survived. Well, yeah, c- congrats on that, and yes. uh, uh, Suave uh, and his buddy Kevin McCracken have the show Death by Incarceration, which is on the Crawl Space Network. That wasn't a plug so much as to say he has taken his uh, love for this particular medium, like how to tell the story of of these individuals who have been through what he's been through and some worse, some not as bad, but he, he really wanted to take his experience and, and broadcast it even further. Uh, and uh, Kevin had called because he was with Suave a, a couple of weeks ago in San Francisco. They were on their way to a, a Giants game. Ooh. And I, I congratulated Suave over the phone. I said, congratulations. And he was like, you know what, bro? I didn't even know what a Pulitzer was. 
with and and it just brought everything like it really brought it into perspective for me and and he and we all laughed about it because it was a funny thing for him to say but he was just like i had to look up what pulitzer was i mean how amazing is that that the guy goes through all of what he went through and then i mean this is like the highest achievement right for journalism yeah, right up yeah, there for journalism yeah well well tell us what it is i mean i mean uh you know for for those of us who don't have one what what the heck is this and why does it matter I mean, I mean, it's really just the highest recognition of journalism that you could get. I mean, you know, looking at who we were up against, it was like, don't quote me, but it was definitely someone like, um, not CNN, but like Wall Street Journal. And then I think it was NBC, like, you know, huge media powerhouses that somehow our tiny little podcast won beat them we got recognized for our work and that's like amazing you know because the podcast we put so much heart and soul into it and it really is um different than anything else that's out there you know we cover so many issues we cover parole we cover cover juveniles in prison we cover getting out of prison we cover relationships um, everything in seven episodes, but, you know, in a really intimate way through Suave and Maria's phone calls. So, you know, it's really an honor to have the Pulitzers recognize, you know, what, what we did and how special it is. More importantly, where is your Pulitzer? That's what I can't answer. I'm, I'm, I'm going to guess the organization. I'm going to guess Futuro gets the actual physical Pulitzer. <laughs> um, it'd be cool if they made one for all of us, but I, I don't think I will be getting a copy of a Pulitzer. <laughs> so. Okay, so if we need to steal it, we need to go to their headquarters. Yes, you need to okay. go to Harlem and get it there. Yeah, yeah, I know Harlem real well. I'm sure you do. I know you do. <laughs> can you just like gift us one or like at what point can you give honorary. us an Wait, honorary can you guys one? can you guys make me a pulitzer like i need oh. to have like i think you guys should do that for me i think i think you owe me that i i'm <laughs> sure on. we do let me, let me check amazon yeah. for a second <laughs> yeah exactly i'm sure we could buy fake pulitzers i think i need one honestly <laughs> i just texted you the image that i'm using for my zoom background so hopefully that that's a good start <laughs> Oh, I love you guys. I, I needed I needed a morning where I laugh a lot. So <laughs> good. All right, off yeah. of off of the Pulitzer talk. Well, I, well hold, hold on. I oh, just oh. I need to know what the cash prize is. Um, there was a cash prize again. Oh, really? I don't. I I yeah. I think it was. I I don't remember fifteen thousand, twenty thousand. You know, something oh, cool. in, the, in the double digit thousands. Um. I don't know if we'll see that. I, I think, again, I think the organization will probably get it. Don't quote me. We have, we just have heard nothing. You know, we don't know. Yeah. Um, I don't even know if they know. So it's a little bit of, can't answer any of that. I, right now I don't, I don't have a physical Pulitzer. I don't have any money, but I have recognition. So that's, that's that. Yeah. You have the email signature. The email signature. Yeah. I do. I think I did put it in my email signature, you right? Did. You think I you did? did? You, of course did. you did. I did. Okay. I, well, I didn't know if it was too much, you know, like, is it too much to put in a signature? No, no, it's not. But, but I'm such a noob to uh, the whole Pulitzer thing that, uh, that I didn't even, I was trying to make a joke. I didn't even think there was a cash prize. Oh yeah, there totally is. Um, well, that, yes. that's what you learn when you speak to a Pulitzer prize winning journalist like Maggie Freeling. That's crazy. 
I know. And it's really opened so many doors. Um, so much is happening right now. It's it's really crazy. How long has the Pulitzer Prize been around? Trivia question. Forever. Forever. 1917 was the first Pulitzer Prize, according to Pulitzer.org. Like, I, I was talking to a friend and they were like, yeah, my grandpa won the Pulitzer in like 1973, you know, like something crazy. And I was like, wow, it's like really, it's legendary. You know, it's um, someday my grandkids are going to be like grandkids, LOL. I don't even have a partner. Um, <laughs> someday my grandkids are going to be like, oh shit, grandma won a Pulitzer in fucking 2020. You know, it's going to be like, it's going to be like 2080 and they're going to be talking about that. <laughs> I, I think it's, uh, I, it's it, it for me personally to even know somebody who has won a Pulitzer Prize. I didn't think would happen in my life. And on a serious level, like, what is that like? Like, do you is it surreal? It's got to be surreal, right? Because it's surreal for me, who's like so removed. I mean, I have meetings now with Dick Wolf and Van Jones and Kim Kardashian. Oh, oh, like, pardon us, pardon us. You know, that's the surrealness of it. It's like as soon as this happened, my agents reached out and were like everyone wants to meet you. And I was like, what? Wow. That's um, very cool. Did yeah. you think like they were going to change their minds or something like that? Like, did you like, when you looked at it, were you like, well, this has to be some mistake. I just thought it was a joke. Like I didn't like, <laughs> like until I looked at the Twitter, but like when people were saying it, I was like, this isn't real. Like something is messed up. Like something is messed up. Um, this can't be possible. You know, I was really like, I have never fainted in my life, but that was the closest I got. Like I got really dizzy and like, I was like, I gotta get out of this hot tub, you know? And I was obviously really high smoking up. Like I was not in a position to be finding out <laughs> this news. Yeah, like I really was not in a position. And then I just got totally wasted because I'm at this pool in Nashville. Um, so it's called the dive motel. I don't know if you ever went, but it's like a young, like hip place. Like it's cool. No, so it was like a lot of like, we're not young... hip enough. Yeah, no, totally not. You don't have enough tattoos. Maybe Lance does. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's like this young, cool hip place. So my friend announces like screams to the whole pool. There's like, you know, 50 to 70 people there. She just won a Pulitzer. And I'm like, <laughs> stop announcing this. So everyone kept coming up to me and buying me drinks and buying me shots. And like, it was crazy. Yeah. You were like, I didn't want to have to talk about the show. I'm here partying. Let's talk I, about other well, stuff. Kind of. Yeah. I was like, can you stop telling people? Like, I feel like I don't want to like talk about this. Like, I just want to kind of like live exist right now. Like, you know, so it was very overwhelming. For the record, I don't think I've ever met. Actually, I know I haven't ever met anybody like you who can work so hard and so well at such a high level and also party like an absolute animal. Yeah, you know, I think if I stopped partying like an animal, my work might be better. I don't know. Like, I definitely, I try my best, you guys. You just want a Pulitzer. Stop you just, it. Yeah, how could you work <laughs> my work? And, well, you, you could win another one? Yeah. Hey, I could. You could. Oh, you will. No, yeah. it, it is. Uh, it, it is reminiscent of those journalists that just put everything into their life you know not just their work but into their life and try to get as much out of it as possible and whatever you do is working so uh we're just we're just really bowing at your feet here <laughs> well i love you guys and you know it's really 
I, I, you know, it was years ago that I worked on Suave too. So it's kind of like, I'm a different person now I'm in a different place. And then to kind of like win this award and like go back, you know, two years, three years, four years, four years ago, we started it, you know? So it's kind of bizarre. And I was not who I am now. You know, it's weird. All right, Maggie. Well, who you are now is someone who's touring with us and Patrick Hines this summer, this August 2022. It is going to be an absolute blast. Uh, once again, we're we're resuming this this show. Um, there's there's no Jillian Pensavale this time, but we're hitting up six cities in the month of August. I can't wait. I am so freaking excited. I wish it was tomorrow. It's going to come a lot quicker than you than you think. I just looked at the date. It's June 8th as of this recording, and that's like it's, it's less than two months away. So it's going to it's going to come up so fast. It's going to fly by. I can't wait to just like grab my carry on bag and pretend like I'm some some famous touring like rock star for for a month. I think that's going to be incredible. Just like hop on a plane, do a show, sleep, get back on a plane, do another show. It's yeah, This is amazing. To me, this is our Pulitzer. <laughs> I mean, you know what? To each their own. To each their own. <laughs> Cities and dates real quick. Wednesday, August 3rd in Orlando, West Palm Beach, Thursday, August 4th, Saturday, August 6th in Atlanta, Georgia, St. Paul, Minnesota is next Thursday or Friday, August 18th or 19th, Dallas, Texas, Saturday, August 20th, Houston, Texas, Sunday, August 21st. Get your tickets at truecrimeobsessed.com. I need you to explain the mirror behind you that I was very uh, drawn to before we started recording. So you guys have never been to my house. Wow, I've been to your house, but you've never been to my house. This mirror is like a old school, you know, it's like convex. It's convex, which means it's like kind of like bubbly. There's like mm. an eagle. It's it's like a vintage uh, kind of Americana mirror. It's very, very nice. It's got a gilded gold uh, quality to it. Surface. Well, you guys, very I nice. mean, yeah, you never see my house. So like I got some like dead oh. things and like, you know, it's, uh, it's cute. I like the Christmas lights. I definitely make sure to pop those up uh, wherever I can as well. I, I'm a big... Um, Christmas light fan like if we look up I got I got yeah. a bunch of like, lights up there oh, yeah. you know I'm a big uh, ambient lighting ambient um, ambiance ambience I don't know if I know. no yeah, yeah when you win a Pulitzer you can say it's, I don't need want. to know the word I don't need to know words anymore it's, it's yeah. well no <laughs> you use convex too like uh, I figured that came when you uh, when you won the Pulitzer you figured out what that word meant yes exactly okay exactly. and how is that different from concave so concave goes in convex and i always up. remember it because a cave you go into a cave, a cave. You, yes yes or you run out of a cave if a bear is following you that's true what do you have a yeah. pulitzer too lance how'd you know that i just googled it <laughs> and we'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Thanks to our sponsors, and now we're back to the program. 
Megs, tell us about your new show and your new partnership with the Wrongful Convictions podcast. Yes, I'm so excited. Um, so I now have Wrongful Conviction with Maggie Freeling, and there's also Wrongful Conviction with Jason Flom. And basically our shows are different. Jason's is more like interview style. Mine is more, you know, people who have listened to Unjust and Unsolved, very similar storytelling, um, you know, me narrating with a lot of, you know, the interviews and quotes. Yeah. I mean, we teamed up, you know, there's so many people wrongfully convicted. Jason couldn't cover them on his own. I couldn't. So we really just teamed up to cover and get out as many stories as we can. And Jason is just an amazing person. I mean, he is the kind of person that you want to work with. It's never about numbers, money. He genuinely just wants to help people. And that's how I am. So it's, it's a great partnership and I'm excited and I'm still with obsessed. We are still working on stuff who I also love so much. So it's, it's an exciting time. So when you're looking into these wrongfully uh, convicted um, individuals, at what point do you have to take a step back and, and analyze and assess the situation and think to yourself, well, maybe they're not, maybe, you know, maybe... I'm just realizing, do you have blue hair? <laughs> yes. Does he have blue hair? No, it's a Zoom trick. Tim's going to say it's a Zoom effect. <laughs> Wait, do you no, really I, have blue? I, yes. Yes, I, I dyed my good. hair. Good. I like it. Oh, my God. Oh, it brings out you. your eyes. How uh, did I well, just well, notice this? You lit- I, Okay, I'm I'm out of it. Well, because I'm kind of fading into the uh, into the Pulitzer behind <laughs> Yeah, I think so. you're fading into the Pulitzer, so I couldn't <laughs> oh. Wow, you're really going bold in your late 30s, huh? Thank you for the late 30s. Yeah, late 20s. Come on. Late twenties. No. Um, well, thank you for the compliment. Uh, the hair will be blazing blue in August, so you can see it in person. I can't wait. I love it. Okay. Anyway, so cool. when do I when do I need to take a step back? When you're looking into these individuals who are wrongfully accused, wrongfully convicted, do you ever have to take a step back and say maybe they are actually guilty? Maybe not of this particular crime, but maybe of something else. And is it easier to? have that conversation or have those thoughts when you have someone like Jason? Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, we get so many cases and luckily we have a great team that parses through them and and brings them to us and says, okay, these, these seem like, you know, legitimate ones. And again, same with unjust, like we're not taking cases, which, which sucks, you know, we're not taking cases that haven't been vetted. and, And that's really unfortunate because, you know, there are people who, deserve to have their cases out there, but haven't yet, you know, found the attorney and we would love to help those people. But, you know, for what we're doing, our purposes right now, we don't have the time or resources to be investigating to, to confirm, you know, their story and if they're innocent. So, you know, we are taking cases where they've been very highly vetted. They're with an innocence project or, you know, a conviction review unit has looked over it. So, we are not often taking that step back because we're pretty confident in, you know, the innocence of the person in terms of like mental health. Yeah, it's a lot. And I have taken a step back recently and I don't feel good about it. I feel like I'm, you know, letting a lot of people down right now who are in prison, but for my mental health, like I really did have to step back for a second and not take as many phone calls and and not answer as many emails for the time being. Well, good. I guess I guess you can just take a step back when you win a Pulitzer. <laughs> that's that, that's our fallback. Whenever. I can do whatever I want because I have a Pulitzer, basically. You know. Yes. 
Um, well, obviously the the podcast and the work is very important, so we support you one hundred percent in your mission. Is there any cases that that you've covered on the podcast Wrongful Conviction that you'd like to tell us about here? Maybe highlight here. Yeah, I mean, so the first case we covered, um, Patty Pruitt, is absolutely devastating. I mean, she was really convicted based on no evidence. It's a case that took place back in the 80s. Um, It was full sexism. I mean, they looked at her murder mystery novels and were literally like, oh, she must have murdered her husband um, because she has murder mystery novels and because she had affairs, which were years earlier. Um, So it was really an entire conviction based on sexism. And Patty is now 72. She's a grandma in prison and just wants to be out and be with her grandkids and her children. And, you know, it's really, really devastating to see old people in prison, especially when they're there for something they didn't do. So Patty's kind of accepted or in her mind believes and accepted that she's going to die in prison. She's 72. Um, the chances of her getting out right now are really slim. She's used up all of her appeals. It basically comes down to clemency. She's in Ohio. The governor is a Republican who doesn't usually grant clemency. I mean, she's had a clemency petition for three governors now, and none of them have, have granted her clemency. So it's a really devastating case. I encourage everyone to listen to it. And if you care to reach out to Patty and just let her know, you know, you've heard her story and and you, you know, she exists because that's the hardest thing for people behind bars is they are forgotten to the world. So Patty's case is a really devastating one. And then there's one that I want to talk about. Um, Devanya, Devanya Inman, he's actually out. Um, it took a long time for him to get out, but he's out and his story is different from a lot of the ones I cover because a lot of the people who I cover that are exonerated or, or sentence reduced and they get out oftentimes have these like happy stories of going back to their family and having a support and, you know, moving on with their lives and getting some sort of compensation or something like that. You know, those are the stories that we often hear. And Devanya's is not like that. He's really, really struggling. He's been out since December. He has a lot of depression, a lot of sadness. You know, his release is not what he thought it was going to be. It wasn't this like big, happy celebration. I'm home. I have all this support. Um, He's really, really struggling. So that's another episode that I encourage people to listen to, to hear the realities of what it's like getting out of prison. It's not always this happy story after you spend decades in there. Yeah, that's a really excellent point that you make because we do talk about Suave and his release from prison and the things that he's done uh, in the meantime, even while he was in prison, that he's just um, taken beyond that, the incarceration. And he's he's now, and I'm not making a joke, now he's now a Pulitzer Prize winner. That is not typical. Uh, no. And not a lot of people understand or realize or want to know about the layers that go into incorporating yourself back into society, incorporating yourself back into a community that likely doesn't want you there. Yeah. I, you know, that sounds terrible to say, but you've been in prison. You, you're, you are a, you are a, you are an ex con. And that, that right there is, is hard enough to overcome. Um, Hard. It's hard. Um, Yeah. You know, the deprogramming from prison, you know, Suave talks a lot about that in the podcast, you know, you spend 20 something years in prison, you, you have a, 
routine, you're programmed, you are, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, I, I'll find it. Institutionalized. Later. Institutionalized. Exactly. Thank you. Um, you know, Do you're I get the Pulitzer now. I get half a Pulitzer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For a day at least. Yeah. No, you're, you're institutionalized and like, it's really hard. I mean, Devanya went in as a kid and gets out as a man, but mentally he's still a kid. He doesn't know how to date. He doesn't know how to talk to women. He doesn't, he doesn't know these things. And it's really, really hard for him. And he has a kid that he's only known through prison. And I asked him, you know, how's your relationship with your kid? And he's like, I don't have one. I'm not a dad. Like I'm not, it's, it's really devastating what the system does to people and how much it takes away from them. And I want to go back to something that you said when you encourage listeners to reach out and, and let them know, let these, let these individuals know that they are not forgotten about that. People know that they exist. And you said that it was really hard for them to, uh, have that notion that they're just in there in a cage being forgotten about. Do you think that that is part of the process or part of the purpose to, of, of putting people behind bars is to just get them out of the site? Oh, absolutely. Of, yeah. It's lock them up and forget about them. And that's why prisons, you know, it's so hard to get journalists in there. They don't want you to know what's happening. I mean, it's, it's really a system that it's like, convictions are not meant to be overturned is how our system is. Once you are convicted, it is final. It is so difficult. They make it nearly impossible to write a wrongful conviction. Um, the system is not broken. It's set up exactly the way it was meant to work. So yes, it is meant to be, we have convicted you, we are throwing you away and you are meant to be forgotten about. That's really interesting. I like how you put that because a lot of people will say we have a broken system here, but you're saying it's not a broken system. This is exactly how it was supposed to go and it's working just fine. It just sucks Absolutely. how it's working. Absolutely. And that's the whole point. It's we don't need to fix the system. We need to overhaul it. We need to completely shut it down and redo it. It's very, very sad when you think about it. Okay. I got two questions here. Um, how does how, how do wrongful convictions happen? Maybe maybe there's some some answer there, and then th that could potentially lead us to how do we fix this problem. So there's a lot of things, and and Jason um, has a podcast called Junk Science, which I encourage you to listen to because it talks a lot about um, the 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 science that convicts people. Which now you know in the modern era with <laughs> really amazing science and technology, we're learning that a lot of these methods are not accurate. Bite marks, foot, uh, shoe impressions, um, hair, uh, hair samples, um, even fingerprints. I covered an entire case. I, it could have been Devanya's case. Let me see. Um, where he was convicted on a fingerprint and it wasn't his, it was a partial match to him. It could have been Brian. It could have been Devanya. I forget. But, um, you know, the, these convictions, fire science, big, one of the biggest ones, fire science is completely junk. I mean, I think every person who has been convicted on fire science, their case needs to be relooked at. You know, it, it's really interesting. I just did this in um, one of the cases that's coming out soon is they used to believe that if an accelerant was used, it would, there would be a certain pattern in the fire and the burn marks. 
and there was a huge forest fire that burned down a lot of houses. And when scientists and experts, fire experts went in and saw these patterns and realized there was no accelerant, but it was the same kind of pattern is when they realized like we were wrong the whole time um, about, you know, looking at patterns and accelerants and people were convicted because they said you used an accelerant because this pattern is here to start this fire and kill this person. You know, we know a lot about uh, false confessions. Um, You know, people falsely confess to things when police are lying, they're allowed to lie to you. Um, When police are presenting false evidence, when police are holding you in 12 hour interrogations and say, you know, if you just sign this confession, we'll let you go. It's really dark and really ugly how wrongful convictions happen. And every person I've talked to has been wrongfully convicted, believed that the evidence would show they were innocent. And it's actually the complete opposite. Geez. So you're saying, yeah, the, the scientific methods used to convict a lot of these people were shaky at best. Just wrong. I mean, it's funny right. to look back at forensic files, which is one of my favorite shows. Yeah. But so many of those cases are old. And I, I know of at least three episodes where it's actually a wrongful conviction in forensic files, um, cases that I have covered or people that I have talked to, you know, so I encourage people to watch forensic files too. And like, keep in mind when you're watching an episode about arson, when you're watching an episode um, with, you know, fiber evidence to really consider, did this person actually do this? And that's something I want to do actually is go back through all of them and make note of the cases and look into them. Obsessed with forensic files. (laughs) Is this a a new show? Yes, Um, there we go. When was that? Do you know when, when I guess scientists learned that about the fire? What year? Yeah, it was in the 90s and 2000s. It was really like implemented that, you know, we know now that arson science is very, very wrong. Jeez. Well, that is not supposed to happen. Yeah. There's a lot of people now getting out because of fire science. I'm Mike Polly. He's a really good friend of mine. He just got out um, he was convicted at age 14 for murdering his mother in a fire. Um, Mike has been in prison. Wow. He was 14. What? Oh my God. And he's finally, he's and out. He didn't do it. Right. And his whole case is based on fire science. Holy moly. How do we tackle this problem? You know, talking about it, letting people know, um, hiring, not hiring, um, electing, progressive prosecutors. I mean, elections are coming up. Primaries are coming up. Look at your ballots. Look who is running for prosecutors, for DAs. They are elected by you, by you. So that is so important because these are the people who are prosecuting those. And uh, we need to get the bad, corrupt prosecutors out of office. I mean, that is like the number one way to start remedying wrongful convictions. And how do you uh, provide a defense for somebody who has been convicted or is on trial for a, a, a crime or a murder that involves like fire science, like bad fire science? Is there somebody out there, an organization out there that will counter the the fire science and say, well, I know it says it looks like it's this, but here's reasons why it's this. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to name names because I forget who exactly, but there are very high profile fire science experts that do come in if the defendant is the whole other issue. If the defendant is capable of hiring them, paying, you know, for an expert, 
so that's a whole other issue. You know, oftentimes defendants are indigent, can't afford, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars to hire experts. So a lot of times defendants don't have experts to counter what the prosecution is saying. It's got to be endlessly frustrating for you to see all of this going down right in front of you as you're telling these stories and realizing that it would just take some money to to make this happen, that somebody just didn't have the resources. Yeah. Uh, public defenders are usually who is defending a, a defendant um, because, again, they don't they can't hire private attorneys. Um, public defenders are incredibly overworked. They're working on 20, 30, 40 cases at a time. It's really hard for them. You know, it's not that they're bad people, but oftentimes they'll meet with their client two times and then they have to go to a judge and ask for money to get an expert. And the judge can deny or say, you know, okay, you can have $2,000 and the expert might be $10,000, you know? So the system is stacked against the defendant. Yeah, I didn't know how that's how that works. So they ask the judge and the judge can decide and and judges are up for vote too, right? Some of them could be Absolutely. voted out. Absolutely. Right. And you know, oftentimes we think the judge is just there to kind of mediate, but judges make important decisions. They say, you know, what evidence is allowed in and what evidence isn't allowed in. They can overrule uh, something someone says, you know, judges are actually very important in a trial. Um, oftentimes there's evidence you want to get in to show and a judge could say, no, it's prejudicial or no, for whatever reason. So judges are very important too. Are you looking to create a stir to the level of, say, like a like a who is Ronan Farrow type journalist? Are you looking to like live a nervous lifestyle where you're because what you're talking about overhauling systems and getting into, you know, the the muck with all of this corruption and, and poorly run uh, stacked against the, you know, the people systems like that's 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 sort of dangerous territory that you can cross a line. Is that your intent? Yes. I, I don't, you know me, I don't give a shit about anybody. I mean, right now I'm in the middle of a lawsuit with a chief of police who is absolutely terrifying and makes threats to people. Like, I don't give a f I want to help people. And, you know, Jason, wrongful conviction has, has been cited as helping people get out of prison, changing laws. Um, you know, he's done amazing work. And I'm, I'm so proud to be on this network that is actually making change in the world for people. So teaming up with Jason is, is, is exactly that. And who is Jason? Can you tell us a little bit about him? So Jason back in, well, so I guess when he was 19, I honestly don't know what year that was, it was probably sometime in the eighties. Um, he, it actually was, yeah, he got, uh, his father is a record producer. His father had a lot of money. Jason when he was 19, signed Skid Row. If you don't know who Skid Row is, Google them. Um, really famous, uh, you know, 80s glam metal band. Um, and he made a lot of money doing that. So Jason started doing record production. He signed Eminem. He signed Skid Rock. He signed Lord. Um, there's a million others. So Jason has made a lot of money doing that. And he has taken that money and used it to create a network and help people who are wrongfully convicted. I mean, he's won amazing awards from the NAACP and just humanitarian awards. Like he is an incredible, incredible human that I am so honored to work with. You know, we don't often see people who take their wealth and give it away. 
it's funny. Like he signed so many famous people and I'm always like, uh, Skid Row is the best one you signed, but like he signed Kid Rock. I mean, Jason talks on the phone with Kid Rock, who we all agree is kind of a piece of shit, but like, you know, he signed him, he signed Eminem, like that his Eminem's first album was on Jason's label. So, you know, he, he is a really, he is a powerhouse human and it's just amazing. How ironic that he signed Skid Row and their biggest hit was 18 in life. (laughs) It's true. It's true. I find the irony very rich right there. I actually have to bring that up to Jason. That's very interesting. I mean, it's not lost on him, I'm sure. I'm sure it's not. Well, does he have a Pulitzer (laughs) Prize? He does not. Well, it might it might be lost on him then because, <laughs> That's because true. we know that it gives people special powers and Lance even he made that point only because we're on the Zoom with you right now, a Pulitzer Prize winning journalist. Once we're off the Zoom, our <laughs> brains will go back to like plebeian <laughs> normal pain brains. <laughs> Crawl space brains. Oh, you guys are trying Crawl to target yeah, Crawl space brains. <laughs> <laughs> crawl space brain. I got crawl space brain today. I'm so happy to see you guys and literally spend weekends together this summer. It's going to be great. Oh, it's going to be amazing. I know. This is going to be so much fun. All right, Maggie. Well, is there anything else you'd like to, to mention here today? I don't know. I mean, just that I miss you guys. I can't wait for the Zoom to be over so we can actually catch up on stuff that the public can hear. Um, <laughs> We are still working on the Brian Schaefer podcast. We actually just had a meeting about it. We took a break for a second, but we are ready to ramp that back up. So if you're interested in Brian Schaefer, we're going to solve that case. Okay. Very cool. We'll definitely uh, be talking about that. (laughs) Well, you said it here. It's on the record. So a Pulitzer Prize. Yeah. Exactly. When you win a Pulitzer, you can say pretty much anything. You can say whatever you want. Exactly. (laughs) <laughs> well, thank you very much, Maggie. It's been a uh, an absolute delight um, speaking with you again, catching back up, and come out this August 2022. We're going to Orlando, West Palm Beach, Atlanta, Dallas, Houston, and St. Paul. Not necessarily in that order, but check out truecrimeobsessed.com. I think you nailed it in that order, except you flopped uh, St. Paul. Right. I think right. St. Saint- yeah, I could well, be wrong on that. So but that's anyways. all August. Pulitzer. That's our tour dates. But then September is Obsessed Fest. So also yes. make sure to go to Obsessed Fest because it's going to be us and everyone on the Obsessed Network, Payne Lindsay, you know, just Rabia. Everyone's going to be there. I can't wait. And that's happening in Columbus, Ohio at the end of September 2022. I can't wait. Can't wait. It's going to be an Obsessed with Summer. It is. It is for sure. Well, Maggie, it's been thought provoking per usual. I love these conversations because we can dance around the seriousness. We can actually have a substance filled conversation and then we can have some jokes. And I hope the listeners uh, can just like roll along with everything that we uh, that we do here. So uh, thank you so much. Thank you, guys. I love you so much. Round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. 
computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over limited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.